Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Now, nonstop sports talk continues with news and analysis from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. Not the hero. We deserve to be the hero. We need it. This is the Big Six. It's going to be you. With your host, Jason Martin. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Good Tuesday to you. Welcome in Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. I was in a car accident this morning. Rear-ended in a Chick-fil-A drive-thru. Sitting there minding my own business. Bam! Drilled from behind. Just one of those kind of days. I leave Titans training camp. It's burning up hot out there. Go to Chick-fil-A to grab some grilled nuggets. And car accident. Not not major damage. Thank goodness. But just one of those things you don't expect to have happen to you while you're in a drive-thru because you expect everyone understands drive-thru etiquette. But apparently not. But I told you I'm not going to waste your time, so I'm not going to sit here and tell that story to you. Our telephone number is 615-737-1045. 615-737-1045. We're going to talk about Urban Meyer in the next segment. We're going to talk about some TV in the final segment today. I'm going to bring back a segment that uh, we debuted last week as another thing has raised my ire. That is still to come as well. But the question I'll ask you right now, and if you want to fire the phone conversation up, hit up Ryan Mudd behind the glass, spinning the dials radio style for me tonight, 615-737-1045. How do you feel about the Tennessee Titans right now? Right now today, two days before Green Bay, and as training camp has now ceased until the weekend, the next time we'll see this football team, fake points will be scored on all sides. But let's talk about camp and some of the things that I've seen. It's been up and down. That is what Marcus Mariota told the midday 180 after practice today when he sat down with them. It was scorching hot out there, but the best plays that I saw all morning came courtesy of Adoree Jackson, Kevin Byard, Logan Ryan, and also Rico Gafford, who picked off passes. Adoree's in particular was impressive because that actual red zone drill where he got that interception in front of Tajay Sharp is one where getting the pick is actually quite difficult to pull off or more so than in other drills. Ryan's was a thing of beauty off a terrible throw. Bayard does what Bayard does. Vrabel talked today about how good Kevin Bayard has been in camp and how much leadership he's shown. And you can see it out there. That guy has got a brain for football and it's translated into a stellar early career. I was sitting there I'm lucky enough to have the ear, at least, of Dave McGinnis, who knows more football right now than I will ever know if I did nothing but study the game for the remainder of my life. But he's taught me a lot in just you know four or five sessions of telling me things to look for and things that he paid attention to and telling stories. It's a blessing to have that guy around 
just this building and around everything that, that we're doing here. But I was talking to him a few days ago, and he was talking about our own Blaine Bishop and how smart Blaine was as a football player, how he paid attention to every single detail, how prepared he was every week, how he saw things that other guys missed, and he compared his mind to what he's seeing in the infancy of Kevin Byard's career. And I was sitting there thinking about it, and I surmised in that moment and then voiced it to him that you look at Blaine, he comes out of Ball State. You look at Kevin Byard, and he comes out of Middle Tennessee. It's not that there's a chip on either one of those guys' shoulder, but there's just this thing about playing at a smaller school where to get ahead and to get noticed, you got to go the extra mile. Perhaps you're a little over-aware that you have to do it all. Maybe the measurables aren't exactly the same, or there's not as many eyeballs on you. So you got to know that playbook better than anybody. You got to do your homework. You got to understand what's coming a split second faster than the competition. There's a level of hard work that had to go into what those guys have to do. And that's not to say anybody else can't do the same. If you come out of a great school, you might also be brilliant. But you can see the effort and preparation in a guy like Blaine, and you can see it already out of Kevin Byard. That's why Byard is a stud, and that's why 23 was so special. But let's talk about the offense of this team. Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis, these backs all look pretty good from my angle. Deion catching it, turning it upfield for extra yardage. That could be huge this season as long as it's used well. He has been impressive. David Flewellen looked pretty good. Wadley looked pretty good. And then you get to these receivers. They were spotty today. They were spotty yesterday. And they've been up and down as a unit. We have seen flashes. You got Corey Davis taking a day off. He's got the hamstring. hamstring. You want to be careful with him. He's got the GPS tracker. But he's also a second-year player. Taewon Taylor has done a whole lot of things right. And as someone who covered his entire college career in Bowling Green, Kentucky, I love seeing what I'm seeing from Taewon. Sharp has made a couple of plays, including today he got a touchdown on a Dory after the INT and so on. Defense has played very well against them overall. But when you talk about the NFL, guys, and gals, you're primarily talking about how good your quarterback is as to how far you're actually going to go in a season. Jacksonville, what happened with them last year, that does not happen very often. Who knows if it can even happen again for them this year either. So we have to talk about eight. Marcus Mariota, and I'm sorry to say this, folks, but if you followed me for any length of time in this market, you know where I'm going here. He's classy exactly the young man that you would want at the front of your franchise was absolutely stellar at Oregon. And in the NFL, he's a rich man's Andy Dalton. He is the guy I am afraid as I've seen his career so far that he's just good enough to win games at a level where you're not going to be high enough in the draft every year to bring in that top flight replacement. But I don't think he's dynamic enough and I don't think he's consistent enough on the gimmies in particular, the short throws, to actually get you to the promised land. He is a slightly above average player, maybe, and that might be generous sometimes. There are times when he is absolutely fantastic, but not enough. What he is not right now at this stage is equivalent to where he was chosen in the NFL draft. Now, the Titans had to get a quarterback. They bet on a good one. But my prediction for the majority of Mariota's career, whether or not it's going to be here two years from now or elsewhere, is that this is a solid eight to nine win quarterback 
he might be able to pull off some heroics in the postseason if he can get his team there. He's pretty good, but he's nowhere near elite. And I don't think he's ever going to be elite. And look, that could be enough for you. But if you want to win in the NFL at the highest level, you're going to need that Tom Brady. You're going to need that Ben Roethlisberger. You're going to need that Aaron Rodgers. You're going to need that Drew Brees. You're going to need that Russell Wilson. You're going to need that Matt Ryan. That level of winner. Now, you could call me right now at 737-1045 and tell me why I'm wrong and say Nick Foles just won the Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles, so what am I talking about? But that's not a common occurrence, ladies and gentlemen. The RPO worked huge. That defense was stacked. Peterson and Reich worked magic together schematically. And then Wentz built their confidence ahead of time. Where do you place Mariota just among his own division in terms of quarterbacks? Well, he's behind Andrew Luck, assuming Luck's healthy, of course. I think he's behind Deshaun Watson right now. We'll see if the league caught up to Deshaun Watson. I don't think they did, because I don't think you do. I think Deshaun Watson is a special, special talent. And I'd say he's above Blake Bortles for sure, Mariota. He's a decent football player. At times, he's a really good one. But watching him during camp, and folks, I don't place everything in the world on camp. I just don't. I don't. Look, when he, when he makes one bad throw, that's not the end of the world. Richard Sherman got beat deep, and there were like a bunch of articles people wrote about Richard Sherman getting beat deep in camp. Who cares? I don't think that it's going to say, I don't think it's going to end anything. But I don't see anything during camp in general that has blown me away. He looked good on Friday night. He looked really good at Centennial. Saturday Saturday was sort of a weird practice. Maybe we'll talk about that a little later. Yesterday and today, he struggled, even though he was pretty good in that last drive. But watching him during camp and just kind of keeping an eye on him tells me that last year's failings weren't all about the previous regime. Some of it, for sure, no question. The predictability and the vanilla looks... And how very, I would say, not progressive it was. And I love Mariota as a person. And I really want to see him live up to what he can be as a star quarterback. Right now, to me, he's a mediocre starter in the AFC. He's a guy that has a tendency to throw a few dangerous passes and a few more inaccurate passes. And he's a guy that, if you remember Mike Sando's insider report where he talked to 50 people inside the league and ranked the quarterbacks, and Mariota came in like 22nd on that list, one of the things that an executive in the league said is he is a guy that does not place fear in any defensive coordinator or any other team. I think he's capable of that based on just his ability and what he can do. I just haven't seen it enough, and I haven't seen it in camp. And I know this sounds harsh because he's the face of the franchise and we all love Marcus Mariota in Nashville. But this is what we do here at the Big Six. I told you that we're not going to whitewash anything, but we're also not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm a Denver Broncos fan, but I'm not rooting against Titan success. I'm telling you what I've seen. Watching Mariota last year, watching him at times, even in the year prior, I just don't see that franchise-saving savior so many Nashvillians are hoping for, so many Titans fans are hoping for. This season is absolutely crucial for this guy, even though he's probably got two years before the team has to make a decision on him. It's basically a two-year plan right now. He's got two years. Right now, to me, 
he does not look like the guy long term here. Maybe in two months, I'm going to be eating my words on this very radio program. And I promise you, I will do that. When he plays great out of the stretch and the Titans are 8 0, I'll be the first one right here to sing their praises. That dude is so easy to root for. And I really want to see what I have not seen enough of from him. And maybe that's out there. For Titans fans' sake, I hope it is. I'm just not blown away by this offense right now. And I don't think I'm alone on that. Everybody standing on the sideline today that I either spoke to or listened to said virtually the exact same thing. One more point. I see we got three lines lit and other people calling in. 615-737-1045. Your phone call's coming up on Marcus Mariota and what you think of the Titans right now. But we're going we're to expect that LaFleur is going to utilize play action. That's something that he has done in the past. Pro Football Focus had Marcus Mariota best in the league among quarterbacks who dropped back at least 100 times in the play action. He had a 119 rating out of the PA. Nine touchdowns, three interceptions. And he was not good outside of the play action. And it was not used enough as it should have been. So that could absolutely help. No question about it. I've just got to see it, folks. And I haven't yet. I thought he looked really good on Friday. And I don't sit there and watch camp, like I said, and say good or bad. I'm looking at last season. I'm looking at tendencies. I'm looking at accuracy. And I'm looking at some of these gimme throws that are late or are inaccurate, at least some of the time in camp. And I'm just a little bit concerned. And I don't necessarily buy into the receiving core as a unit. I buy into their talent, but I don't buy into, again, it's a very inconsistent feel. I wouldn't be secure if I was a Titans fan right now, at least on the offensive side. Defense, I would feel a lot better about. So that's kind of what I've seen as I've watched it. I just don't think Mariota's the guy. I hope, I hope I'm wrong. Like I said, I'm a Denver fan, but I, you know, this is the local team. When I get an opportunity, sure. I'm, never, I'm not pulling against Marcus Mario. I'm not pulling against the Tennessee Titans. I just look at eight and I see a rich man's Andy Dalton. I see he's a little bit better than Andy Dalton, but he's in that mode. He's not elite. And I don't know that he's got that it on the details to be elite. 615-737-1045. Sound off next. This is a big six on 104.5 The Zone. the big six thanks for being a part of the movement here on 104.5 the zone i'm jason martin on twitter at jmartzone jack white missing pieces off of the blunderbuss record his first bringing us back as i always play dj for you hopefully exposing you to music maybe you haven't heard hopefully you have heard our buddy jack so we do have calls and i said in that first segment that i love marcus Mariota the person but as a football player i think he's closer to the rich man's andy dalton than an elite player and by the rich man's Andy Dalton, I mean a little better than Andy Dalton. But if you want to damn Andy Dalton with some kind of commentary, you can put him in that same category with the Tyrod Taylors of the world, quarterbacks that are good enough to win you somewhere between seven and nine games a year, maybe get you 10 at some point if you have the right pieces around him, which is just good enough to make sure that you're never high enough in the draft without making a move to get an elite quarterback. And that sometimes leads to a lot of futility for a lot of teams that are mediocre forever because they don't, maybe they pick somebody high once, but it turns out to be a rich man to Andy Dalton instead of a Carson Wentz, for example. 
But I, some people are uh, tweeting me and saying, poor man's Andy Dalton. I said, no, 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 no. Rich man's Andy Dalton. Rick in Hendersonville leads us off here. 615-737-1045, by the way, if you uh, would like to join us. Rick, what's up? Thank gosh that you just said what you said because I totally agree with it. I called in to the last show and brought this up. They were talking about receivers. Tennessee hasn't had a bad problem with receivers. We haven't had a quarterback. And Marcus came in. Yes, he's been injured. But I am so I am so glad that you brought up that refreshing remark about I think we need to uh take a look at this supposed franchise quarterback. He needs to prove it this year. And this is the year that I think he's gonna have. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Rick. So Rick agrees with me, and you're welcome. He's not, he, look, Marcus Mariota is a franchise person. As far as we know, like I said, you only know what you know. But there's no indication at all that Marcus Mariota isn't as stand-up a guy as you're likely to find. He's the guy you want at the front of your franchise. He's the guy that you want on the billboards. He's the guy that you want doing charity work in your town. He's that guy. As classy as they come. He is a franchise person. But as of right now, he's not a franchise player. And as the quarterback in the NFL, the most important single position in all of pro sports, you have to be. He's got the opportunity over the next two years to prove that. And that's still out there potentially for him to prove. I just right now don't see it. Gabe and White Bluff, you're next. What's up? What's going on, man? How are you? Doing well, sir. Good, good. Hey, just first and foremost, I want to say I dig the format of the show and the, the flow to it and just the, the different topics covered. It's pretty cool. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Um, yeah, dude, I feel like you were sitting next to me at the bar like a week ago when I was telling my buddy all the same stuff, and he's calling me crazy because it's it's. I want, like you said, everything that you said is, is what I've been saying now This from the end of last season until – I mean, till today, uh, that, you know, the unfortunate piece is you, you want him to be a Drew Brees town yes. quarterback. You want him to, you, you're dying for that. But the honest matter of it is, is every time he says, you know, hike, I'm terrified about what's going to happen next. You know, I, I, on open throws, my, my fear level is worse than on contested throws, which is a terrible feeling as a, as a fan. But I want the dude to be successful because, like you said, everything that you can, see from the guy and every every ounce of coverage on the guy is that he's just he's the dude you know he's an awesome person for your franchise and i just don't i don't have the confidence that he's our long-term long-term dude and like you said we're going to get stuck in, stuck in a rut of futility if that's the case because we'll never be terrible but we'll never take the next step and that that that's a scary place to be in as a fan no, I don't disagree with you. I think you know there's this concept what's well, not even a concept You've, we've all done it or somebody you know has done it the concept of the beer goggles where you see somebody sober that you might actually want to go up and talk to but you're not totally sure and then you have two or three beers and then she is really attractive all of a sudden 
and then the beer wears off. And I think that in some respect, we have a version of beer goggles when it comes to athletes that show the kind of off-field attributes that Marcus Mariota has. I think he's got a longer rope because of who he is. I think that's good. I'm glad that people want to see who it seems to be good people succeed. I think that that's a positive thing. But eventually, sports does reveal itself to be a meritocracy. You can be the greatest guy in the world and still be a scrub. And Marcus Mariota is not a scrub. I am not saying that at all. I'm just suggesting that I have seen nothing at this stage to indicate he's a franchise player or an elite quarterback in this league. And he's got two years to prove it again. It's a weak quarterback class coming out of the draft after this coming season. So they're going to give him two years, and then they're going to decide whether or not they're going to pay him long term. And we'll see. Maybe this LaFleur offense is exactly what the doctor ordered. Maybe the changes and the way that they're going to run the football and more play action looks, utilizing Deion Lewis, all of those things. Maybe they're all going to magically do what they need to do and Mariota's going to have the opportunity to be the quarterback that he was when he was drafted. I'm just saying right now, if I had to predict it, I think he's a rich man's Andy Dalton. John in the borough is up next here on the Big Six. John, what say you? Hey, man, uh, you actually just hit the nail on the head just a minute ago about talking about the offense that he's been in. I think a lot of uh, his mediocrity has been coming from the offensive coordinator uh, position and the, the system that he's in. Um, I think now is going to better suit his style of play. And I, I kind of point to the uh, Jared Goff uh, situation. I think Mariota is better than Goff. But Goff was just in a better uh, offensive uh, situation where he had more options and uh, you know wasn't running the ball three times. You know, it was just, just predictability was uh, was the issue with uh, I think Mariota. Yeah, I mean I think that that's true, and I think that that does go to the play calling. There's no question that some of this is definitely on the play calling. And what you're saying about I think Marcus Mariota is better than Jared Goff. So do I. But one thing that you do have to go back and look at last year with the Rams in particular. Even though Jared Goff played well, Jared Goff was not asked to do very much. And another thing that came out of that Sando survey through ESPN.com Insider, speaking to those 50 people inside the league ranking the quarterbacks, one of the things that that came out during that process was really that very thing, that he was not asked to do all that much. And that the Tier 3 quarterback where both of them found themselves that those teams had a better chance to win when the quarterback did not throw as much. If they had a strong running game or a strong defense, they could win a lot of football games, but they weren't going to do a whole lot of it with their arm. And if you go back, golf had a good year, but it was nothing fantastic. Why did they win games? Their defense was ridiculous. The play calling was very, very solid. And Todd Gurley was an absolute beast, especially on first and second second down. They utilized him as a receiver almost twice as much this past year as they did two years ago, and that opened things up. Could we see the same thing here? We could. And if we do, I agree. Marcus Mariota is better than Jared Goff. But I don't think anybody that is listening to this right now thinks Jared Goff is on the way to becoming an elite quarterback in the NFL. Solid starter? Yes. Guy that can win you football games? Yes. With every piece around him being right and an inventive, creative, progressive coaching staff, could he win you some playoff games? Yes. I think the same thing could be true of Marcus Mariota. 
But Jared Goff, I think, was ranked 19th in that list, and Mariota was 21 or 22. And that's my whole point. If you are in the 17 to 24 range of quarterbacks in the NFL, you are a rich man's Andy Dalton. I don't think there's any way that you could possibly disagree with that at this point. Lou and Franklin is up next. Lou, what's up? Hey, um, I agree with you totally. And I don't know. I was at Friday's practice here at um, Centennial Franklin. Yeah. And he was, he was not, when they moved the ball down the field, they ran the ball down the field. And I didn't feel like he did it so much on the, in the air. They had a few picks on him that day also. And um, I really, I, I had the same sentiment. I want him to do well. He's a good kid by all means, but I can't stand all the excuses. It's like those people who, uh, who, who are quarterbacks and they say, oh, his accuracy is bad. Well, isn't that fundamentally what you do as a quarterback, throw the ball? You know, I mean, isn't that like the, the main thing you're supposed to do? And um, he um, just hasn't been overwhelming, you know, since that, that first that first year when he was really good in the red zone, um, there's been nothing even remotely promising. I do have to give him, you know, one uh, one chip for for having four offensive coordinators in four years. You know, so that yes. can't be easy. Yeah, no, no question about that. I think some of your points are valid there as well. Ryan and Dixon, we'll get to you after the break. If you have thoughts on Mariota, we'll continue to take them at six one five seven three seven one zero four five. Also, there is new information coming from Courtney Smith's attorney. And the big six list tonight are the six questions I have surrounding this Urban Meyer situation. And the more that has come out, especially today, the more I feel like I might end up being right about this thing after all. Big six, 104.5 The Zone. Big six one zero four five the zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. A lot of you corresponding with me through that tonight. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you chiming in with your opinions. Six one five seven three seven one zero four five. You want to join the program? Little Dawes for you here. Right on time. The name of this tune. And Ryan and Dixon. I said it would get to your phone call, so let's do that now. Ryan, what's up? Jamar, what's up, buddy? Doing good, man. Hey, so the big jump with golf last year, right, was before basically leading the defense and calling the play-in before the mic went off, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So did they lower that time, or is uh, was, that, was that just a proposed change that they were going to cut it off at, like, 20 instead of 15 now? Do you know that? I'm not and po- do you think Yeah, I'm not positive that about that. Mariota needs that as much as golf did. No, like I said, I think Mariota's better than Jared Goff. I didn't think Jared Goff was going to flame out. Like, after his first year, I looked up a lot of stats of second-year quarterbacks in the league, and there were a lot of guys that had atrocious first years in the NFL, and I mean atrocious, that turned out to be really good football players. Eli Manning would be one example of many. I'll try to break out that list. Maybe I'll break it out later in the week. But I thought Jared Goff if he had the right system around him, and I, I thought that that needed, a, needed to be a new head coach, which is what he got, that he would be able to turn it around. But it was Gurley, and it was all of the yards that he gained as a receiver that really helped them out. And they did find something in that receiving game 
things did change and Goff did play better, but I don't think that he was ever asked to take that many risks as a quarterback. In general, I think he was protected, and I think that's exactly what he should have been as a second-year player under a new scheme. And Marcus has had to deal with a lot of new schemes and new coordinators and all that. And like I said, I don't necessarily... I'm not saying without a shadow of a doubt this guy is definitely not the guy. I'm saying right now, I'm telling you, I don't think he's the guy. But I will be the first one to come on this radio show if he wins his first two or three games this year and looks good doing so and say, all right, Marcus is starting to look like the guy. Unlike a lot of people in sports media, when things change, my opinions will change as well. I'm not just going to stay staunchly behind the opinion that Brett Favre is better than Aaron Rodgers for 10 years and then bury Aaron Rodgers no matter how well he plays just because I want to back up my original point. That, to me, accomplishes absolutely nothing. If Marcus plays well, I'll tell you he plays well. Right now, I'm just not sold. Also not sold if you've been listening to this show on Urban Meyer. I have been pretty staunch in how I felt about Urban Meyer. So the attorney for Courtney Smith, Julia Leverage, sends a statement to Brett McMurphy. And I'll read just just a little bit of this. Courtney Smith is involved in two legal matters. Criminal trespass involving her ex-husband, Zach Smith, and a domestic violence civil protection order she has obtained to ensure her ongoing safety. As a attorney, I can tell you Ms. Smith is cautiously optimistic that the Ohio State University's investigative committee will determine if proper reporting protocol was followed upon learning of the ongoing abuse allegations against Zach Smith. We believe the university must prioritize the safety and well-being of, of others above all else. While the Ohio State University has never contacted Ms. Smith to discuss these allegations, she will fully cooperate with the university's current investigations. And then they set the record straight, saying she wasn't paid for any interviews. She has tried to get charges pressed for domestic abuse in the past, never charged with any kind of being under the influence or criminal offense. A lot of things have come out about Courtney Smith because, of course, they have. And Zach Smith, of course, went on a radio station in Columbus on Friday. Then he went on ESPN and said he had never done anything to Courtney. And then the text that I talked about yesterday and had talked about previously, the kind of screen grab that Brett McMurphy had sent out, I thought that was about the 2009 incident. It wasn't. It was actually about incidents in 2015 where Zach admits and apologizes for strangling his wife during a spring break trip to Punta, Punta Cana. So it's actually even worse. I thought that this was a 2009 incident where he was actually arrested for domestic battery for what happened there. Actually, he was arrested for aggravated battery on a pregnant female. If you don't want something on your resume more than that, I don't know what it would be. Maybe Arenthal would have some things on his resume that would be worse but the idea of being arrested for aggravated battery on a pregnant female, that's not good. That is really not what I think that you're looking for at all. But if you recall, Zach Smith claimed that he did nothing. Text messages proved otherwise. I've got six questions. I'm going to get to them in four minutes before we get to our final break here. And then we'll come back. And if you have phone calls, we'll take them at 737-1045. But let's, let's do a quick big six list tonight. Quick list of six about this situation. Rule number one. I'm number one. If Urban Meyer ran everything through the proper channels in 2015, 
why did he have any reason to lie to the media on July 24th? I've asked that question many, many times. Nobody can give me an answer that makes sense. Whether you shrug your shoulders at what I just said to you or not, please explain the purpose of that lie. What did it accomplish? Why would you not just stand there if you did what you were supposed to do in 2015 and just say, yeah, we, we let Zach Smith go. We probably should have let him go in the past. There was an incident that was reported in 2015. Charges weren't filed, but I did go to Ohio State and let them know what was going on, and they took it from there. Instead of saying, I don't know who would make up a story like that, and if that was true, I would have made a change. Number two. Number two. Zach Smith's entire media tour on Friday now has to be thrown out, doesn't it? The text exchange that I was talking about from 2015, where Smith apologized. Let me read it to you in case you didn't see it. This is from Courtney. Think back to the cheating, the lies, and picking me up by my neck and strangling me in Punta Cana and at our place in April. The abuse got worse because you couldn't stand me catching you in your lies. His reply, I know, exclamation point. Her reply, now you continue your lies. His reply, I'm so, so sorry. Her reply, such a slap in my face. Just stay away. But he never did anything to her, right? It's actually secret option number three. Number three is why in the world do we not already know whether or not Urban Meyer did in fact inform Ohio State in 2015 as he claimed. Seems like Brett McMurphy or somebody could have corroborated that by now. I know it's a buttoned up investigation at Ohio State. Very independent investigation that I'll get to in a minute. But am I crazy? Or is that something that you would immediately want to put out? Even if you're Ohio State, you would want to put out something to try and get some of the heat off of Urban Meyer if he was completely in the clear. What do you gain by sitting for two weeks and then coming out and telling us this while he's getting roasted by all but 150 dudes carrying really stupid signs in Columbus last night and people that signed a ridiculous petition to try and save their coach while not focusing at all on domestic violence. That's their words, not mine. I just don't understand why someone has not been able to come out and say, yes, Urban did go through the proper channels. That leads me to believe he probably didn't. Victim number four. Courtney Smith tried to get charges filed in 2015 and afterward. That was in the statement from her attorney. It's also something she had told Brett McMurphy. She said she doesn't understand why those charges were never filed. I don't either. I don't know why it, why it didn't happen either. This case hinges on a lot of weird things that could go one or two different directions, but all of them seem to be shrouded in clouds that could allow for some kind of wiggle room, but somebody needs to explain to me why on earth weren't charges filed if she indeed wanted charges filed, and worse still... How on earth, if Ohio State learned of everything through Urban Meyer, how is it that they never contacted Courtney Smith? Either her lawyer's lying and she's lying. Like, this is the worst investigation of all time. This is a sham of an investigation if indeed it happened and they did not contact the victim. How do you do an investigation into a woman claiming that her husband that works for your university abused her? without actually even talking or contacting the victim. Explain that to me. Number five. Why would a police report from 2015 indicating Zach Smith was arrested be changed three years later with no credible explanation that made even the least bit of sense? 
This is a really quick one, but why on earth would something like that happen? What explains it? The explanation that they tried to give Brett McMurphy about there being online records and some kind of language that was improper three years ago. For three years, that arrest report sat there and said that he, was, that he actually was arrested. That box was checked. And then there was a revised report that came out earlier this year. I don't even know. Maybe it was actually revised here in the last few weeks where that arrest box was all of a sudden not checked. Does that not seem shady to anybody else? And then now there, here's the big six. How much of a sham, ladies and gentlemen, is this independent committee? Six people on this committee, five of them with direct ties to Ohio State. The lone one outside of that fray is Mary Jo White. She's a 70-year-old that's actually leading the team. She's the former U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, which basically means she's Chuck Rhodes from Billions. She's currently a senior chair for a law firm. She was part of the Securities and Exchange Commission in the past. Degrees from William & Mary a law school degree from Columbia, went to the new school, and she's also done a lot of other high-profile investigations for the NFL. She was part of the Bounty Gate scandal for the Saints in 2010. She investigated the Ezekiel Elliott case last year, also domestic abuse, and she was part of the Jerry Richardson workplace misconduct investigation that happened earlier this year. She is the lone one that does not have a tie to Ohio State. I've got this question, and I'll get to break. 615-737-1045 if you want to join me. I see Catfish Jake. I hope he hangs on. We'll talk to him in the next segment. I would love to know how many of those five have season tickets to the shoe. I'd love to know that. That's one thing that we probably never will know, but I'd love to know how many of the five, the three on the board of trustees and the two that have been in high-ranking positions at Ohio State in the past, how many of those five are Buckeyes fans with current season tickets to the university? Just think about that and think about the comment of this being an independent committee and an independent investigation, which is another reason that today I'm thinking suspension might be more likely than termination. And with all the questions I just asked you, I still think that's wrong. Final segment next, Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. have to let this one play you're welcome ladies and gentlemen Sturgill Simpson living the dream he's the best maybe the best live act you can ever see right now if you get a chance to see him in person you absolutely should I just want to keep let, I want to sit there and just let it finish up now you don't have to you don't have to bring I appreciate you doing that Sturgill is just on another level folks 615-737-1045, talking to Urban Meyer. Catfish Jake indeed did wait through the break. Good to talk to you, my friend. How are you? Uh, good to you, brother. Hey, congrats on the show, man. I, I really like it. I don't get to hear it much because of the time it is, but the times I do, it's it's awesome. And Sturgill is phenomenal. I've seen him open up for Jason Isbell, who's my favorite. Oh, yes. Yeah, and those, those, those two concerts are, are oh, mind-blowing. Oh, yes. Those those two guys are just – and his wife right now, too. Amanda Shire's oh, Amanda new Shires, album just came oh, out. Oh, yeah. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. So what you got for me tonight? That's heaven for me. So the, the issue I have with the whole Urban Meyer deal, uh, and it would be this, I'm a huge Bama fan. It yeah. would be the same for me if it was Nick Saban or no matter who it is. Amen. The fact that people are saying and are okay with, well, he turned it over who he was supposed to, or he went through the right channels, 
is absolute bullcrap to me. The right channels, when you know you have a guy on your staff who's done this to a woman or women multiple times, the right avenue to take is kick his butt off the staff. That's the simplest, easiest, and to me, the right thing to do. When you know a guy has done this multiple times, you don't give it to the right authority at the university or take the right channels. You kick his butt off your staff. None of this ever becomes an issue. And then they have to find out what the guy's been doing because they got to find out why he got fired. You don't wait till however many years later. It's just ridiculous to me. Uh, no, I mean, I agree. But again, remember, in 2009, Urban Meyer said, ah, they're just a young couple. Things happen again. In 2009, after being married, Zach Smith pushed his pregnant wife into a wall and had her by the throat. But they're just a young couple. Uh, I don't know how to... I, I will say this till the end of time. You don't evolve. You don't need to mature in your relationship to realize for the first three and a half years of your marriage or however long it was, like, you know what? I'm five years into this thing now. I don't actually... You know what? I think I've been wrong. I don't think I should have actually been hitting my wife. I don't think I should have been pushing her into walls for the last three and a half years. It took me time to get here, but I've now matured as a husband, and now I realize... Did you know that might not have been okay, actually? I might have gotten that one wrong. Huh. You learn something new every day, don't you? That's not a thing, folks. We inherently know right and wrong. We inherently know what you're not supposed to do. The fact that Urban Meyer went to, they're a young couple, just go to counseling, eh, it probably won't happen again. I'm sorry. No. You got to be better than that. You got to be smarter than that, too. A lot of people don't change. They devolve from that spot. They don't usually evolve from it. On our way out the door, let's make you smarter. And we call it this. So I was talking about Marcus Mariota and saying that I think he is a rich man's Andy Dalton which is something I kind of came up with. I'm sure someone else had used it before. But let's talk about another quarterback in the AFC South right now, Andrew Luck. Six-year career. First off, folks, he's been hit a lot. But listen to this stat. This is very interesting, if nothing else, from Mike Chappell, who covers the Colts. He's been sacked 156 times in 70 regular season games. When he's been sacked three or more times in a game, he's 14-12. and 12. When he has not been sacked, two and six. Huh. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night. Michaels and Mueller is next.